football season is coming back and we got you covered on every game we're breaking it down on each snap all season long catch us every week starting on august 4th joe mcguire sean scanlon jace garcia and yours truly obi Muniz, giving you the highlights predictions and current rankings visit our website at hwshow.com and subscribe to our youtube channel it's all four downs part of the cmg sports podcast network Clover Press Media Group presents a CMG podcast. Keys to the city. Keys to the city, baby. When you see us, so you know. I crossed up by Colby. Well, floated Shaq. And then Shaq goes like this. And the rest is history. Pay attention. Don't tell me what to do, devil woman. Speaking of those Lakers. But I, but I, hold on. Fun. But I didn't make my I didn't make my I said Denver's going to win. Yeah, you did. You said that. There's no other show like that. Clover Press is doing great things right now. Streaming everywhere. Throwing jabs, always full send. Here we go again. Jared, Joe, and Jays. Clover Crest, top three corner man. Punching in with a punch's chance. We find a way to win. The main event, lock it in. Every Saturday at 10, the overhand is out of hand. When it comes to fist of cuffs, slide a hand on the undercard. You'll never see the punch. Uppercut, got you missing wave. Feet are stepping late. Keep your guard up, feeling faint from a faint. Take a stand in eighth and retaliate. Put up your dukes, stick and move. Bob and wave. Don't lose hope against the ropes. There's always an escape. Never stay down. One more round. Bells ringing. Counter punch with your chin tucked and go down swinging we bring in crosses with no worship hooks with no verses combinations with no locks when you feel the flurry of curtains from scrub scraps to fight stats relax if you want the facts because the best combat podcast is throwing jabs hello and welcome to the throwing jabs podcast fight day Big fights, as you saw in, in that intro. Stuff got heated at the weigh-ins. I can't wait to see what goes on in the ring. But first, we got to recap some stuff. Big Jace, Joe Guy, Jared Jones. Let's get into it. Starting off, Aspen Lad versus Dumont. Dumont just took care of business. We're watching that the, that highlight, just the way it, it looked like Aspen Lad had never been jabbed in the face before every time just it, it did that's what it looked like and, and every time she didn't know what to do but i mean you guys were right I, I went with the heart pick here but yeah dumont just all around just better than aspen lad joe anything you else said it just absolutely jabbed to death um yeah. it was it was uh I'll say this too. Look, uh, uh, Dumont, three in a row. Uh, you know, we had talked about uh, uh, this division having been cleaned out by Amanda Nunes. I think this very much makes Dumont a title challenger. I know she's got Pena coming up uh, in December, but I would think Dumont's got to be next up. Um, my my major concern for Dumont is she's never knocked anybody or finished anybody in a fight in the UFC, and well. If you're fighting Amanda Nunes, you're gonna you're gonna probably need at least one more weapon uh, and the ability to take her out. Because if you think you're gonna stand there for five rounds with the lioness, got another thing coming. I I wouldn't want to stand there. 
Um, you know, before I saw the fight last week on the show, I said Dumont Lad was going to remind you a little bit of uh, Dern Rodriguez with Rodriguez distancing and jab and Dumont playing the part of Rodriguez. But now that a week later and the fights happened, yeah, exactly what I said. <laughs> yeah. yeah, but um, speaking of what's to come next, Dumont called out Holly Holm for a featherweight interim title fight until Amanda Nunes comes back. Joe, is that the fight to make, and would you like to see it? Yes. Yes, I would, and yes, that would be the fight to make because I think that's what this fight was supposed to be, right, before Holm got knocked out of it. Um, and credit to Aspen Ladd uh, for, for jumping in on this fight. Um, you know, I, I, I respect anybody who, who will jump in and take a fight. But, yeah, Holly Holm and, and Dumont, that seems like a good fight. Although, and I'm glad Dumont's excited about it, but Holly Holm's a knockout person. Uh, and, again, if that's not in your arsenal, I mean, again, five rounds with Holly Holm punching you and kicking you, there's a good chance somewhere in those five something's landing flush and you're out cold. So that would be worrisome. Uh, 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 having seen her fight now a few times and kind of getting getting to understand what Dumont's all about, I think she's going to struggle, uh, you know, with, with the top of the division. So we'll see. But I like that fight for sure. I like that fight too. I I think I'd probably still take home. She's getting up there in age, but uh, good fight. Yeah, that's a great next step. Yeah, and shifts into Aspen Lad. I feel like every fight we have, it's her corner getting all up in her face. Is that what is that? Is that a motivation issue with her? Is that what's going on? Because it, it there are those points where. It seems like she's just standing there getting jabbed in the face. And we, we saw it in the Yana Kunitskaya fight. She, she was losing. And then the, the corner got on her, knocked her out. Like, what is that? Jared, you, you know better than both of us. What is what, – what's going on there? Um, that happens. Uh, it's kind of like writer's block. I uh, wrote the verse for the intro, so I rap a little bit. But uh, that happens um, – not only when you're getting beat up real good, but it the yips, I don't know, man. It's really, really hard to explain what happened. I, I could actually show you guys a clip of a or a, a video of a five-round fight I had with a kid named Billy DeCarly where it just it wasn't coming. My footing wasn't there, and there it just a little bit more volume. You know, it was such a razor-close decision, but... Uh, it, um, who's the uh, guy just for Johnny Walker? Yeah. All the feints in the world and it just never came. I don't know if that was in his head or that's kind of how he fights or whatever, but that's, that's, that's what I saw. And, uh, I don't know what the problem is. I don't know how you fix it. I've had it happen to me. It's the weirdest thing. Who was the gymnastics girl just left with the spinnies? And you hear this, the, the spins or whatever it's called. Um, just it's dropped them on Biles. Biles, there you go. Um, it's crazy. It happens in just about every sport. They have different names for it. And uh, 
Yeah, maybe maybe I'm more familiar with it, but I can't. That's that's. I remember uh, Chuck Knobloch of the New York Yankees got the uh, the yips. Couldn't throw the ball to first base from second base anymore. They didn't make him a left fielder. Uh, yeah, I think that happens. I also think that there that part of this is. I think you find this in people who maybe have a bit of a lack of concentration. You know, you're in the moment and maybe you're not in the moment. And mm. and that would make it really hard to fight uh, if you're not in the same moment as your opponent. And so I wonder if there's some of that. And then the other thing, and I noticed the excuses have just really started flowing out of the wilder camp. But, you know, a shot behind the ear, your equilibrium's off. That would I I also would think could have a, a tremendous effect on you going forward. And, you know, just not having the ability or like Jared said, maybe not having your feet under you enough that you felt like you could bring, you know, your your arsenal to the table. So it, I, it could be a lot of things. But I, I feel like this is, you know, she's good. She's had the hype train behind her the whole time. And I feel like sometimes when you're one of those sort of stars in this in this sport, in general, boxing or or um, mixed martial arts, I think it's easy to take a round off where where you know you're not even thinking. You know, again, lad, getting punched in the face so much, you're like, somebody better tell her to stop getting hit in the face when the round is over, right? You're allowed to move your head, you know. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, I think there's a lot that goes into this. I don't know that there's one answer jared yeah i don't think there's one answer oh, as to no. why this sort of thing not happens. at all i i've never liked that kind of trainer in your face screaming i always thought that's one of two things if they're doing the right thing then the fighter probably lacks motivation a la uh like your brother just said michael moore and teddy atlas um where you kind of had to get in that guy's face because he there was something lazadaisical about michael moore yeah, um, but on a, on a regular basis, I can't stand the in the face. I feel like you go through the preparation ahead of the fight. You scream in his face for the whole fight camp. And then when you get in the in the octagon or the ring, it's OK. Take a deep breath. You've done all that yelling and screaming. You know, you need to be that that 60 second break. Go into the you know, your corner man smacking you with the ink swell isn't going to help you in the fight. Yeah, I, I get that, but also, I mean, the fighter know. I mean, the corner man should know the fighter well enough. I mean, we saw it with the Yanukunitskaya fight; that worked. So, it, obviously, Aspen Lad feeds off it. it, it also, the, this brings me back to Raquel Pennington. It, it was against; it had to have been against Nunes, right? Uh, she went to her stool and she said, "Yeah, I don't know if I can do it." And her coach kept talking to her and saying, yeah, you can. Come on, let's do it. And it comes out later that that's just what she's like. The corner understands what's going on with the fighter a lot more than we see. So putting the judgment on the corner, like we saw in the Kunitskaya fight, this is how Aspen Ladd responded to that fire getting lit. Mm. And she went out and knocked her out. So maybe she she definitely needed that here. And then with the Raquel Pennington stuff. I got to ask you why, Jace, because we've gone over this before with your like they're they've been jogging or they're going to be motivated in the second half of the football game. Yeah. They're training extra hard with the bullet and board material. Why in a, in a top level UFC fight does she need somebody to tell her that she's in a top level UFC fight? If 
if in between every round during your UFC fights, you need somebody going, you're in the UFC. Come on, kid. Like that's, it doesn't seem right to me. You've done that in the training so that you don't have to get her some water, help her take some deep breaths and then get her back out there rejuvenated. You're fighting with, she's not getting that minute break from fighting because she's fighting more. <laughs> yeah, but I, also, like, think about it. Those two fights where that happened, she was getting destroyed. So she might be down on herself, and you need that to bring you back up, bring you back up and make you say, hey, you have an actual chance here. But, like, you talk about the Johnny Walker situation with him, all the feints and that stuff. He he laid back on the whole fight because his coach was saying, hey, you're doing good. You're up these many rounds. See, sometimes you don't necessarily see the fight as it is when you're in the octagon, and especially when you have the ref, your coach telling you what's going on. She, at that point, needed a knockout, and that was her coach saying, hey, let's go. Let's go out and get it. Let's, well, let's agree then that the trainer can fail the fighter from either side. They can yes. be too aggressive and make the corner work into a fight or the worst failure I've ever seen is Rousey's corner um, when she's just getting her butt kicked by home and they're like, you're doing great out there, okay? You look really good. You're Ronda Rousey, you know? And it's like, yeah, dude. Uh-uh. She's getting her butt kicked and she went out there, kept doing the same thing and got knocked out. So the, the corner can certainly fail with too much or too little aggression. You know, I almost wonder if Johnny Walker's corner truly believed that he was winning in that fight or if it was more of if we tell Johnny he's up and he could sit back a little bit, he won't rush in and get, you know, get the uh, 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 the uh, Dos Anjos special or whatever. You know, uh, I think there. So I think it really depends. I Don't think you it really feel like depends. you failed him now, though. As if oh, of course you do. Yes, dude. And if I'm Johnny Walker, I'm like, you told me I was up three one going into the fifth. I was losing. Yeah. I, that didn't help me. Come on, guys. But again, <laughs> if if the thought was let's protect Johnny from himself here, I think maybe he's pulled out enough to win. Then maybe that's what you do. I agree though with Jared. I mean, if I got to scream at Aspen Lad in the fifth round to tell her she's got to go out there and get a knockout. When she hasn't won a round all night, why? Why am I? I don't. I shouldn't have to do that. Yeah, I shouldn't have to be like Aspen. Listen, if you uh, win this round, you're gonna lose four one. So, you know what that means, right? You're gonna want to knock her out. <laughs> you, you know what I mean. There comes a certain point in the fight where, yeah, um, I gotta tell you to knock her out because you're gonna lose on points. That's. I, you know, again, I don't I don't think that that's uh, a, a little bit different than the other fight, Jared, uh, uh, Jace, from from what you were, you know, as, as you were explaining it. I, I remember that Aspen Lad fight. But, yeah, listen, it, 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 as Tony just said in the comments, you know, you should be getting tips from your core. Hey, you know, every time she does this, she, does, you know, throw your jab, hit your counter. If I got to be in there like, look, give me your best effort for the last. Uh, what? What? Really? <laughs> I, that's not the time for me to tell you that. I think that's one of those things. Tony mentioned uh, Michael Moore uh, uh, getting screamed at by Tony Atlas mid-fight. There's, there are some guys maybe that 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 are a little broken and need that. I liked Michael Moore. You, you know, Michael Moore was never an elite-level champion. 
And and maybe needing to get screamed at by Teddy Atlas is a big part of the reason why he never achieved that level. Because I, I tell you what, no one ever had to scream in Mike Tyson's face or Lennox Lewis's face or El, uh, Evander Holyfield's face to get them motivated to fight somebody like Michael Moore. So I, I would be concerned about that kind of stuff. I don't think that's – I can't see that being – a positive for any fighter. Um, I want you to actually watch this guy that I'm about to say, and no disrespect to him, really cool human being. Um, but Lawrence Claybay won a medal at the Olympics. He was a silver medalist and uh, and a great boxer. Uh, James Tony, Chris Bird. That's the type of name you would remember him with because he was a heavyweight that moved like a middleweight. And those are the two guys he reminded me of most is Tony and Bird. Um, one of his last fights was a draw with Brian Jennings and uh, John Scully. We've had him on the show, was his trainer for the fight. And he is the, just the most inspirational stuff you've ever heard and dragged him to that draw. Um, I remember when they were doing the filming, I actually had my feet on ESPN once. I was jumping rope and they had just the bottom of the rope and the bottom of my feet during the pre-fight for uh, for this fight. But um, the, when the guys walked in to record, they were like, uh, they asked Scully, can you get him to jump some rope? And he was like, can you get him to jump some rope? <laughs> it was, it was, and I feel like if you put the fire of a James Braddock or a Diego Corrales into the belly of a Lawrence Claybay, that's a champion. That's a name every boxing fan remembers. And uh, an elite level. Watch. Watch that fight in pockets. He's one of the most amazing heavyweights you've ever seen, I promise. In pockets with his hand speed and his movement. And you're like, where the hell did that come from? And then after that, he's exhausted because he's not in the shape he should be in for the fight. Um, so this happens on all different levels. And I... Honestly, don't like it at all. I think the fighter should be motivated. You should know what you're doing there. You you want to be there. Teddy Atlas dragged Michael Moore to where he got. John Scully dragged Lawrence Claybay to that draw, at the very least. And uh, if you're a pro fighter and you need to be dragged where you're going, it's time to find something else to do with your life. You're, it's, you're not in it anymore. Yeah. I mean, they, this Aspen Lad situation kind of – Draws a lot of parallels to the fight we'll get talk about later today with Paulo Costa having so many problems. What happened but, uh, tonight? Nobody <laughs> screamed in my face. I needed someone <laughs> to tell me this was important. Yeah, yes. that never happened in the post fight. Yeah, <laughs> but uh, Dumont was an underdog going into this, and we had a lot of underdogs cash out on Saturday, which was good because Sunday was. Vegas lost so many, so much money because all the favorites won. So, upsets galore on the zone. Mikey Garcia gets upset by Sander Martin. And WBO junior flyweight champion Elwin Soto loses his belt to Jonathan Gonzalez. For me, the, the biggest takeaway from both of these, I'm going to start with the Mikey Garcia fight. Mike Garcia, you, your little. Experiment at welterweight, it's got to be done. 
It's got to be done. You, you, Sandra Martin was perfect. I mean, Earl Spence Jr. was bigger. Uh, you can understand why he lost that fight. But Sandra Martin, he was your size, but he is just a natural welterweight. He's got that speed and advantage on you at this weight because he's naturally there. Mike Garcia, you're not there. And and that's why he got the, the upset win. Joe, what do you think of all this? Well, uh, yeah, listen – I, I, I ex- always express concern for Mikey Garcia. I do. Uh, and, and, and you're right. Uh, th- he's not a 147-pound fighter. He's, he's no good there. He's won titles at, at 126, 130, 135, and 140. That's it, buddy. You do not belong with the big dogs. That was uh, all the proof I, I think he, he needs at this point. You know, it was one thing. Uh, you know, losing to Errol Spence, it's another thing to lose to Sandor Martin. I think. Who? Uh, I'm sorry, go on. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know, he's lost two out of three at this weight. Uh, and again, one one elite fighter and one who's not. So, you know, it 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 does it does beg the question, uh, why and and will that continue? So, yeah, I I would be. Uh, but listen, I mean, credit to to Sandor too, uh, a, a guy who a nine a a, a plus nine hundred underdog, never fought in the United States and had never fought anybody uh, 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 at this level of competition to come out of the fight the way he did, took it right to Garcia. Uh, I mean, I I'll say this: if you're a huge underdog, I can't think of a better way. Uh, to go about a fight than to just bring it to the other guy who's clearly not thinking that's going to be your, you know, why would you? So, yeah, no, I, 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 uh, I like this though. You know, it, 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 sometimes when we're talking about these fights, you know, Mikey Garcia taking on Sandor Martin, you're like, ah, that guy's got no shot. You know, that's why we dart tail of the tape, you know? what it's all about a- a- anybody on any day could win a- yeah more, more times than not you are uh, uh puncher's chance anyways is how it goes we all three picked uh picked huge favorites by the way uh jace you had soto joe you had garcia uh savannah marshall won by second round knockout if anybody's scoring at home um, a dollar on both of these guys would have won you 50. These were significant upsets, and to have two of them on the same card. Wow. But, again, yeah, you do the tail of the tape. You really look into the numbers. There was that the uh, weight thing for Garcia. I mean, there were reasons to believe that, perhaps. Um, not enough for me to put him in my puncher's chance. Plus 900. <laughs> but uh, good fights. Really good fights, and um, and uh, not not what I expected to see. I kind of expected both of them to walk away with these. Both took L's. Yeah, for, for Soto, I, I feel if that was in the UFC, he would have won it just based off his aggression and just coming forward. Because we, we all know how big like ring control is. Because but it, it was boxing. It's the sweet science, and that's where Jonathan Gonzalez got him. So, uh, yeah, I mean, 
Well, in both cases, the guy who out, you know, who who boxed better, uh, who countered better, who had better footwork in both cases, that's the guy that won the fight. And that makes sense in boxing. Yes, for sure. But uh, speaking of upsets, let's get into the who you got. Mount Rushmore of upsets. And I'm sure we can all assume Buster Douglas against Mike Tyson. That, that's one of the greatest upsets, not just in combat sports history, but boxing. History. I mean, not just combat sports history, sports history. So let's assume that's George Washington. What other three f- upsets are on your Mount Rushmore, Joe? Um, I just want you to know that I did three MMA upsets and I did three boxing upsets because I really struggled with this. And since one of them was already Douglas versus Tyson, it didn't seem fair. But uh, Chris Weidman and Anderson Silva. Oh, I mean, Redonk, home versus Rousey. Sarah versus St. Pierre. Um, For my boxing... Hasim Rockman beating Lennox Lewis. Timothy Bradley beating Manny Pacquiao. And believe it or not, I'm going to say Tyson Fury beating Vladimir Klitschko and ending a 22-fight win streak. Um, I got to put that on my list. So that's that's three in each. I hope you enjoyed those. Uh, all right. I, like, I liked all of those. And... Uh... All right, Jared, what you got? I just always thought that the uh, status should mean something. Um, I got three of Joe's on here. At five, I got Sarah over St. Pierre. At four, I got Gonzaga over Crow Cop. A lot of people were really excited about the debut of Crow Cop when uh, Gonzaga hit him with that head kick. Uh, Holly Holm, Ronda Rousey. It's got to be up there. And the two biggest upsets of all time by the numbers. Um, I got to say Sonny Liston, Cassius Clay. Because nobody thought that loudmouth Louisville lip was actually going to get it done. And he told us. And he shook up the world. And he was pretty. And then... He came back with a different name and did it again to George Foreman when nobody thought he could, when everybody was terrified of this monster. He introduced us to the rope-a-dope. And two and one, Clay and Ali, a man. That's biggest upsets for for my taste. All right. All right. I had had Rousey home. I mean, that's the... That's got to be the biggest upset in MMA history, just for the star power that Ronda Rousey had. And then no one really knew – all the casuals, hardcore fans knew Holly Holm. But, Boxing fans knew the 26-time yeah. world champion Holly Holm too. Yeah. <laughs> if you knew, you knew. And uh, a lot of people didn't know. But – and, yeah, that that's my second one. Andy Ruiz over Joshua, especially the less than a week's notice. Andy Ruiz comes in, gets it done, and also holds a special uh, spot on this show because after that, that was our first show that we recorded, was talking about Andy Ruiz. 
defeated Anthony Joshua. And in my lifetime, if you make me do boxing in my lifetime, that's probably it, Ruiz Joshua. I'll take those Ali fights, but if you make it something I had to have been there for, you know, Ruiz to Joshua me, to me, I I don't I don't love that fight because uh, anytime somebody takes a guy on short notice and you've spent your whole camp planning for somebody and you get somebody else, I think you're a, a little susceptible to uh, an upset. So I think the seed was already laid there. It's a big fight for Joshua. I think one of the rare occasions you could say a boxer might have been looking ahead a little bit uh, in a fight. Still a huge upset, of course. A catch fight? <laughs> you, well, so here's my thought, too, right? I mean, Holly Holm knocking out Ronda, Ronda Rousey wasn't terribly shocking as much as Weidman knocking out Anderson Silva. Nobody thought okay. that was going to happen. You All could right. you could say, you know, look, if Holly Holm can somehow not get armbarred in the first 45 seconds, she could fight a little bit. She, nobody was like, dude, if Weidman can work, nobody thought that. Fair point. Zero percent chance. Again, with Ruiz, we didn't, you know, nobody thought Ruiz had any sort of chance. But I think just just a little bit. That's a that's a tough fight for Joshua. Uh, so I I almost wanna almost wanna give him a pass a little bit on that one. I don't, you know what I mean? Okay. As far as but I get what yeah. you're saying. All right. And my third, none of you had it, combat sports, wrestling. I love to bring in wrestling whenever I can. Rulon Gardner over Alexander Carolyn. Carolyn, up until that 2020, I mean that 2000 Olympics, he had won. He'd gone six straight years without giving up a point. He won the 1988, 1992, and 1996 gold medal until he met Rulon Gardner, who came up with that historic upset, the biggest upset in wrestling history, and one of the biggest upsets in combat sports history. And Carolyn, like, that dude was a beast, a monster. You know, Jace, I, you know, I love to talk, talk smack to you, roll my eyes from time to time, laugh at your picks. But, uh, I remember that. I had to look the guy up. I noticed Joe's uh, typing fingers moving when you started to talk about this stuff too. But uh, but I actually like. I remember watching that, and it was that was that was huge. I love that. You you that. Yeah. Well uh, done, Jace. You I know like, I love I, to give. Yeah. Circle gets. I don't even know what you're one. talking about. <laughs> honestly, I honestly don't care. <laughs> hey. Oh, uh, I, I might not be the best in, in the picks as far <laughs> as boxing and MMA go, but I, I gave you Gable Stevenson as fighter of the year, and look what he did in the wrestling world. And now this is one of the greatest upsets oh. ever. So, all right. But that's a lot of upsets. And one thing you won't be upset with is Mosquito Shield to protect you from the mosquitoes. It's been a pretty wet summer in Connecticut. And that means more mosquitoes than ever. If you didn't have your home service for mosquito control and find you're spending most of your time outside flooding those little pests, you are in luck. 
Mosquito Shield of Central Connecticut provides the best value in mosquito control services because of how they treat your yard using the Mosquito Shield Tailored Treatment System. They don't use a fixed schedule or an identical product one-size-fits-all service program because you can't control mosquitoes on a set number of sprays or visits. Unlike the competition, Mosquito Shield of Central Connecticut will service you for the season whatever it takes to provide superior results. This promise is awarded them an industry-leading consumer retention rating of 90%. Visit MosquitoShieldCT.com to schedule an appointment with Wade the Cesare and enjoy the rest of your summer mosquito-free. Saturday night at UFC Fight Night 196, the main event features a middleweight bout between former UFC middleweight championship title challengers Paulo Costa and Marvin Vittori. Let's break it down. Paulo Costa is 30 years old. He's six foot tall with a 72-inch reach and a record of 13-1 with 11 knockouts and one submission. From Belo Horizonte, Brazil, Costa took up Muay Thai at the age of nine then began training in Brazilian jiu-jitsu as a teenager under the tutelage of his older brother. For a time, he worked as an IT teacher until his brother was able to convince their mother to support him financially so he could pursue a career in MMA. He turned pro in February of 2012, scoring a first-round knockout of Teo Estevez, then won his next seven by stoppage before being selected for the Ultimate Fighter Brazil, where he defeated Jose Roberto by a guillotine choke. He lost his next match by split decision and then made his official UFC debut in 2017, scoring a first-round knockout over Gareth McLennan to earn his first performance of the night bonus. After knocking out Alawal Bambos, he had his first real challenge in former welterweight champion Johnny Hendricks, quickly overpowering him and knocking him out with two powerful uppercuts. Next up, he took on dynamic veteran Uriah Hall, gradually wearing him down in an all-action fight with a full side of withering body shots before knocking him out with a four-punch combination punctuated by a thunderous uppercut. He was expected to fight UL Romero in April of 2019, but was pulled out for undisclosed reasons. It was later revealed that after a thorough investigation by USASA, Costa was found to have taken over 100 milliliters of a banned substance after the weigh-ins for the Bombos and Hendricks fights and he was subsequently given a six-month suspension. The two finally clashed in August of 2019, engaging in a wild brawl, exchanging knockdowns in round one and continuing to trade bombs down the stretch, with Costa winning a very close decision. On September 27, 2020, he faced middleweight champion Israel Adesanya at UFC 253 and was completely outclassed, sustaining heavy damage to his left leg from the champ's low kicks and having his face opened up by a head kick before he was finally dropped in round two by a counterpunch and finished off with grounded pound. A highly aggressive pressure fighter, Costa has a solid chin and ferocious punching power and sets a furious pace, continually assaulting his opponent's bodies with heavy punches and kicks at a rate of seven strikes per minute. Marvin Vittori is 28 years old. He's six foot tall with a 74-inch reach and a record of 17-5-1 with two knockouts and nine submissions. From Mezzo Corona, Italy, he developed a passion for MMA at a young age, having been inspired by such fighters as Mirko Krokop and Fedor Emelianenko. However, due to his sport's lack of popularity in Italy, he had to train weekly in six different gyms throughout the country. His path to become a more well-rounded fighter found him first in London and eventually to California, where he trains at King's MMA under the tutelage of Rafael Cordero. 
He turned pro in 2012 and went 10-2 before making his UFC debut four years later with a first-round guillotine choke of Alberto Uda. He followed that up with a unanimous decision over Vitor Miranda and a hard-fought draw with Omari Akhmedov. In April of 2018, he gave future middleweight champion Israel Adesanya his toughest test at that point, losing a hotly contested slugfest by split decision. He bounced back the following year, beating up veteran Cesar Ferrara and then dominated Andrew Sanchez. After years' worth of cancellations and postponements due to opponent Carl Roberson missing weight, the pair finally met in June of 2020 with Vittori overwhelming and submitting him in round one via rear naked choke. Seven months later, he stepped in as a last-minute replacement, taking on fifth-ranked Jack Hermanson. Vittori dominated from the start, dropping Hermanson in the first and controlling the fight with accurate strikes and elite-level grappling. Five months later, he completely wiped out knockout artist Kevin Holland, setting a new UFC record for takedowns with 11 while busting up the trailblazer with vicious ground and pound. On June 12, 2021, he challenged for the middleweight title, taking on old rival Adesanya in an eagerly anticipated rematch. But despite some early takedowns and momentarily getting the champ in a rear naked choke, he was completely outclassed on defeat, losing a wide unanimous decision. A relentless pressure fighter, Vittori is excellent at cutting off the cage and is also an effective grappler who constantly wears his opponents down while possessing some of the best cardio in the game, remaining just as dangerous in the last round as he was in the first. Will Boracina be able to overwhelm Vittori with his power and aggression? Or can the Italian dream wear Costa down with his stamina and wrestling abilities as both men seek to regain the momentum they had prior to their bouts with the champion? Tune in Saturday night to UFC 196, Costa versus Vittori, and let's find out. It really sucks because this was going to be a good fight. And was it? I don't know. <laughs> but uh, it, but now the, the story isn't about the fight going into it. It's about Paulo Costa being a douchebag and, and missing weight. He it was originally middleweight. Costa said, "I'm not going to make it." They decided to go catch weight at one Joe's got five. Smoke and come out. Slow down. Slow down. Let it finish. Let it finish. Because because he showed up and he said he wasn't. Despite the fact that he's ranked fifth and Vittori's ranked second, he said, or I think I have that backwards, but he said he wasn't sure what weight the UFC wanted them to fight at. What division are you ranking, you clown? You fat clown loser. You are a clown. Dude, this this is that we've made fun of this guy from the onset of this show. A Brazilian black belt that he uses to hold up his pants. The the bottle of wine BS with Adesanya. You lost to Adesanya because you're a loser and you don't take your sport seriously. You don't know how to fight. Dude, this this guy, <laughs> look at his whole record leading up to that Adesanya fight. Other than other than the fight where he he beat uh, Romero by decision, he didn't beat anybody good. He didn't beat anybody in their prime. He didn't beat any names. This guy got fast tracked to get his ass kicked by Adesanya, and it was because he had an extra glass of wine or some. He, this guy is worse than Deontay Wilder. He's a little crybaby bitch. You didn't know what weight they wanted you at. So then why did you show up at like heavyweight? This guy showed up at 211. 
Are you serious? 211. I'll tell you exactly why he did it, too. It's one of two reasons. Either this clown wants to get cut loose from the UFC once and for all so he can go make some money in some of those leagues that I don't pay any attention to, or he went into this fight knowing full well he had to be heavier than Vittori in this fight because Marvin Vittori is going to take this dude down. And and the, the worst, here's my problem with Marvin Vittori. Everybody knows how much I like this guy. Vittori has a tendency to get you on the ground and then just lay on you for like a minute and a half. Get a very little bit of ground and pound in before the round ends or before you can get back up. Um, and, and, and we saw the difference, right? We, 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 I've talked extensively about Adesanya and Vittori and in the second fight, I mean, he just, he didn't do what he did in the first fight. And the other thing is, again, I think Vittori really, I think the, the ground up pound needs to get a little more vicious when he gets you down there. For sure. Um, we saw how you beat Adesanya. It was that formula, but 30 pounds heavier in Jan Blahovitz. You lay on top of Israel Adesanya, and he can't get up when you're 30 pounds heavier. And so I do think Costa came into this fight thinking, again, dude, what's, what's the penalty for me being two pounds over or me being 20 pounds over? He knew Vittori would fight at a catch weight. I'll give you another example. A, a master of upsets. Uh a guy that if you said he beat Manny Pacquiao three times, I wouldn't argue with you. Guy named Juan Manuel Marquez. Uh, he fought Floyd Mayweather Jr. And Floyd came in way overweight, paid the money he was supposed to pay and beat him in the fight because he was a bigger person. Um, I laugh because I see smoke coming off of Joe's head. And, uh, and I wanted him to go get that boy. And he did. Well done, Joe. Um, but I, it's not funny because I mean, people have died playing this game. I bring that up from time to time. We do this sport and, and, and it's not a, a, like a very often happens, you know, like old football, but, um, it's a dangerous, dangerous sport and weight times speed equals power. So if you're playing a game where people get hit and, and that bad of things can happen and you're this careless about your weight, like at what point? I've said before, should, should, should uh, fighters be criminally charged for failing drug tests? Because you're going in to do something where you could hurt somebody and you're making that opportunity more likely for you by breaking a rule should it also be illegal. And this is another example of that. I can't stand it with fighters because we're doing something that you just need to be morally sound doing. Miguel Cotto used to get down to weight and then put on about 30 pounds in 24 hours. The UFC changed some of the rules so people don't do that anymore. But if you're 140, Chop Chop Corley was 145. He'd get up to about 148, 150, and then he'd cut back down to 145. But that's about the size of dudes. What Miguel Cotto come in weighing at one forty five? He's about a buck eighty on fight night, fighting a guy that's one fifty. That there, I don't know. There's something there. But when you just go in there and you're that far overweight and you're a professional and you're this high in the game, you're ranked number two, and you didn't know which weight class they wanted you fighting in. Yeah, this guy's an idiot. 
He's an idiot. He's unprofessional. And I don't want to see him in Bellator because I do catch their fights from time to time. This guy can this guy can start back at scrub scraps and, yeah. and, and, and work hard, get his mind right, make weight. We'll take lad too. You guys can work on the things you really need to be working on because it's not your jab or your ground game or your grappling. It's it's up here. Some may right. Missing weight is like the biggest form of cheating, really in all of sports. No other form of cheating can you go out and compete. This is what's happening here, and I mean you can say what you want about PEDs and that stuff. P- P- those come up what twice a year? Maybe someone big gets hit. This is a every. I feel like every couple of months someone's missing weight somehow. Well, and, and the money. How how many times has somebody? T- Needed to eat like they don't pay these guys enough. I don't care. You see them on TV. You think they're making a lot of money. They don't pay these guys enough. You look at the numbers. They don't get paid enough. So what you're turning around and offering, let's say this was a late replacement type fight for Vittori and he wasn't Marvin Vittori. He was somebody that needed to feed his kids. Somebody that needed to bring home food and and money for his family. Somebody who needed to support his life with a paycheck. And you tell me the guy came in at 211. Now, do I fight that guy and take the paycheck or not because he's so much bigger than me? Jack Dempsey once said, fighters don't fight like they used to because I was hungry. I was actually starving. You could have hit me in the face with a sledgehammer for five bucks. Imagine you could have hit me in the face with a sledgehammer for five bucks. Read the whole quote. When he gets to that part, you believe him. So what happens when a guy's fighting like that and you come in 20, 30 pounds overweight and you give him an option to feed his kids by doing something that's not fair to him at all or just not and not pay your paycheck, get your paycheck after your fight camp. You're right, man. I can't think of another broken rule in sports that's like that. You come in 20 pounds overweight. You're just the bigger guy. You take the pick out. Juan Manuel Marquez was going to fight, fight Floyd Mayweather if he came in at 255. Because yeah. that was his paycheck fight. That's That was how he was going to eat and feed his family. And he didn't care what the guy came in at wit. You could have hit him in a sledgehammer in the face for the paycheck he made for that fight. And that's that's like dishonest. And at some point that you should be, you know, can, can we just charge Floyd and cover the fight purse for there's got <laughs> there has to be a way because that's not right. I see people in these positions and I'm like, I'm still taking the fight. I'm losing a winnable. I'm going to lose a fight that I may have won if we were the same size. But I, I got to eat. So I'm taking the fight. Marquez, I felt horrible. Come on, Floyd. Make weight or tell him you're going to be bigger. You don't tell him and then day of you're 15 pounds overweight. Get the hell out of here, man. And I'll give you 20% of my fight purse. The, on, the, one name, the names that keep coming to mind with this Costa situation are Yoel Romero and Anthony Rumble Johnson. And I love both those guys. But, yeah, it, it, it just can't make the weight. But and who's the girl, lad? Uh, Dern, what's the lad, was it? Is it both lad? of them? Both of them didn't make. Weight. Just can't wait, man. Just making weight, but uh, ranked in with a Costa class, though. I know, ridiculous. With Costa though, I, I, I know, I'm gonna play a little bit of devil's advocate. I see where he's coming from. 
You just lost the buffet. To, you, <laughs> no, you just lost to the best middle weight in the world. You you saw what it's like. You saw the levels of that, and you can say all you want about the wine, but there's a reason you didn't make this weight. There's a reason you didn't know what weight you, they wanted you to fight at because you aren't that good at middleweight. Your your chances of getting there. Getting up to Adesanya again, maybe. Your chances of beating Adesanya, no way in hell. So, for me, the biggest thing coming out of this fight, no matter what happens, Costa, you have to be ranked in the the light heavyweight division. Because I want to see it. I want to see it or not, yes. But you need to be a light heavyweight. Because you're not getting – you're not doing it. You you can beat Whitaker maybe – Probably not. You can beat Vittori. You can beat Brunson. You can beat Cannoneer. All you want. You're not getting to that level. You're not going to get the belt around your waist as long as the style bender's on top. Now you can go into the light heavyweight division, not cut as much weight, still have all that power, go knock off all the dinosaurs, maybe get a belt, and then maybe Adesanya will want to come back up and he'll have another chance of getting two belts. That's your way to get back to Adesanya. And that's what I want to see. There's a terrible way of going about it. You look like an asshole. You've looked like an asshole the, pretty much your whole career, dude. He just looks. He's got that face of just an arrogant prick. And now he's living up to the look with the way he's acting. But uh, now let's talk about the fight itself. Let's talk about in the in the octagon. I mean, Vittori, he's coming. He's game. He, you saw in the intro we did, he threw the middle fingers up at uh, Costa during the weigh-in. He said, uh, you already lost to the scale. So, Joe, can your boy Marvin Vittori get it done? Yeah, listen, I think the last thing fat Polo Costa needed was to be fatter than he normally is coming into a fight. Uh, he doesn't have great conditioning. He doesn't have good stamina. Uh, this is obviously... Now I know we're fighting it at 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 uh at light heavyweight. Are we still going five rounds in this? Is that all still yeah. together? Because yeah. there's no way Costa is going to be able to keep up with Vittori. Vittori's like on on the on the bike for five rounds. Uh, so the fact that Costa doesn't like to use his Brazilian jiu-jitsu at all for whatever tactical reasons uh, that he's coming at this with. Uh, yeah, I do think Vittori wins. I think Vittori wins by decision. And thinking about the Yoel Romero fight, uh, you know, I think had that gone five, that would have been really problematic for Costa. I don't, I don't see him, I don't see him be able to survive five rounds. And I don't think he's going to knock out Marvin Stone Chin Vittori. So you tell me how Costa could win this fight. I don't see it. Yeah, his uh, his nickname's Get That Cuppa. Paulo, get that cup of Costa. Um, I'm taking Vittori here, and I really hope he whoops his ass soundly. Um, and I just thought of a great metaphor, the last thing we were talking about. My, my daughter was just under 50 pounds when she joined the football team when she was a kid, uh, seven, eight, nine years old. And she was one of the fastest kids on the team, man. And when she got going, I always told her, be the hammer. You know, if you're moving faster, don't be the nail. Um, And at some point it occurred to me, man, if all of these kids, like if the weight limit was 50 pounds, 
If it was like all 50-pound girls, whoo, eight touchdowns a game. This kid have been smoking everything. It's different in football, though. It's not the game isn't built like that. So it matters. Like this. The, yeah, I I I this this has turned in it's turned personal. And it almost never does that for me. You know, that almost never happens. How many times have I come on here and said I wanted to see somebody get their butt kicked? Three, four. We've been doing this two plus years. You know what I'm saying? Every six months I go, I don't like this guy and hope he gets his butt kicked for what he did. Because if he beats Vittori, it's going to be because he's bigger and not because he's better. We've seen their fights. Yeah. Exactly. I, I, what, I mean, Vittori, he walks around at 205. And Costa, he had to cut just to get to 205. So, I mean, it's, it's going to be bad. Uh, I... But I think, regardless, stylistically, Costa's a bad matchup for Vittori. Vittori's going to try and take him down. Costa, even though it is just holding up his belt, he still does have a black belt in Brazilian jiu-jitsu. So Vittori's going to force him to use it. And I just think this bigger size, I think it's going to work in Costa's favor as far as power goes. And he was already a powerful middleweight uh, I think he puts Vittori's lights out uh, either w- with a punch or even on the ground uh, as Vittori's trying to trying to wrestle him. But uh, l- like I said, I, I don't see uh, – s- at middleweight, I didn't see a way for Vittori to win. At, at light heavyweight, I definitely don't see a way for uh, Vittori to win. I, but my big thing co- with this fight, coming out of it, I don't want to see Vittori drop in the rankings with a loss. He should really move up because Costa should get shipped over to light heavyweight. And I I want to see Costa at light heavyweight because he can go there. He can, like I said, knock out all the dinosaurs because light heavyweight is pretty old right now. And that's his route to get back to Adesanya. And he'll probably lose because he'll lose if it's at middleweight. You saw what happened when Adesanya moved up. The weight was an issue, so Costa might have him there. But that's his only way he's going to get a belt. That's his only way he's going to beat or have a chance to beat Adesanya. So I, I see I see all this stuff happening, and I, I see the intent from Costa because as much as an, an asshole he is, that, that makes me see, think this is a lot more calculated than just going – Oh, I didn't know what weight I was supposed to be at. Because th- that's absurd. That's ridiculous. If you weren't supposed to be at middleweight, why are you fighting the fifth-ranked fifth middleweight contender? It's absurd. Well, let me just clear up one thing for you. Marvin Vittori has never been knocked out in his okay. entire life. And I don't think a scrub like Paulo Costa is going to be the guy that delivers the first one. I definitely don't. All right. All right. Well, we'll see. We'll see. You want to bite hair on it, Joe? Bro, the comment section's going wild is what's going on. I'll be honest. I would I would I would totally do it if Costa came in uh at 187 pounds. I would have been all right with that. But yeah. Dude, who knows yeah. what he's gonna what he's gonna show up as tonight? Who the hell knows? Uh, might, might be you the know? DC weight. 
the, there again, there's there, what's what's the penalty if he put on more weight between the weigh-in and now? What 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 would be the penalty? Twenty percent. He already did it. Yeah, I mean it's a mess and it's ridiculous, and I mean just a lack of professionalism and that stuff. And Jared, you hit, you hit it right on the head. Like this is a this is a sport where people die sometimes, and to to have this to have this cheating be allowed, it, it's absurd and ridiculous. But I mean, we'll see. We'll see tonight. I think, regardless, if it was at 185 or 205, it was going to be a fun fight, regardless. And I'm excited for it. We want to know it's going to be a really, really fun fight. Shifting over from the octagon to the ring, as we got young, undefeated up and comer Shakur Stevenson taking on Jamel Herring Joe. It's going to break it down. Saturday us. night, WBO junior lightweight champion Jamel Herring will defend his 130-pound title against Shakur Stevenson, the interim junior middleweight champ in Atlanta, Georgia. Let's break it down. Shakur Stevenson is 23 years old. He's five foot eight with a 68-inch reach and a record of 16-0 with eight knockouts. From Newark, New Jersey, he was taught to box at the age of five by his grandfather. A decorated amateur, Stevenson won the AIBA Youth World Championships and in 2016 won a silver medal in the Rio Olympics, losing to Cuba's Robesi Ramirez. After amassing an amateur record of 56-2, he signed with top rank with Andre Ward as his manager and made his debut with a fifth-round technical decision. He won his first nine with five knockouts before he defeated Jesse Rosales via fourth-round TKO to win the vacant WBC Continental Featherweight title. After a third-round blowout of Alberto Guevara, he won a unanimous decision over Joel Gonzalez for the vacant WBO Featherweight title. In June of 2020, he knocked out Felix Caraballo with an uppercut to the body and followed that up with a 10-round unanimous decision over Toca Conclary. On June 12, 2021, he won the vacant WBO interim junior lightweight title when he defeated the unheralded Jeremiah Nakathalia by a wide unanimous decision in a tentative and heavily criticized lackluster performance. One of the most technically proficient fighters in the sport, Stevenson possesses lightning fast hands and is a highly aggressive counterpuncher. Jamel Semper Fi Herring is 35 years old. He's 5'10 with a 70-inch reach and a record of 23-2 with 11 knockouts. From Long Island, New York, he started boxing in 2001 and lost to Danny Jacobs in the New York Junior Olympics. He continued to box in the Marine Corps, where he enlisted in 2003, and in between two active-duty tours in Iraq, he medaled in the 2010 World Military Games the 2011 and 2012 Armed Forces Championships, and competed in the 2012 London Olympics. He turned pro in December of 2012 with a unanimous decision and went 15-0 with seven knockouts before suffering his first loss to Russia's Denis Shafakov by 10th round stoppage. Eight months later, he stopped a hard-hitting Art Hovanesian, then dropped a decision to Ladarius Miller. He bounced back with a TKO over Juan Pablo Sanchez 
in a unanimous decision over Alderson Dos Santos to put himself in position to challenge Masayuki Ito for the WBO Junior Lightweight title. Herring put on a master class, dominating from the start and taking almost every round en route to a wide unanimous decision. He defended his title three times, first with an action-packed decision over Lamont Roach, then he retained his belt when challenger Jonathan Okendo was disqualified for repeated headbutts. On April 3rd, 2021, he took on former world champion Carl Frampton, engaging in a slugfest before dropping him with a thunderous uppercut and stopping him around six. A hard-hitting southpaw, Herring is a relentless pressure fighter who likes to use his long jab to set up powerful uppercuts and a withering body attack. As one of boxing's rising stars, can Stevenson utilize his speed and counterpunching to win the title and springboard himself into the pound-for-pound conversation? Or will Semper Fi's pressure and experience be able to derail the hype train? Tune in Saturday night for Herring versus Stevenson, and let's find out. All right, we got the veteran, Herring. Been through wars. I mean, going up against this kid, Shakur Stevenson, undefeated, hasn't necessarily fought anyone all that big. His first real test comes tonight. <laughs> Joe, who are you taking? Well, listen, uh, I think I think Herring really is going to need to slow Stevenson down. He's going to have to work the body. If, if he can't do that, it's going to be a long night. Stevenson's uh, footwork and, and hand speed are far superior. He can also sit back and pick you off at a distance. So it's a tough fight for for Herring, for sure. Uh, I don't know what the latest odds are right now, Jared, but I know uh, it was... Plus 550. It's all heavily going, all right? Stevenson's the big favorite here. Uh, this He's guy's, minus 950. Wow, and Herring's up to plus 575. It changed yeah. since, we, since you asked me. It's yeah, there you go. Uh, listen, I, I my my concern. I mean, the, the Stevenson's ability to not get hit very similar to a, a young and good Floyd Mayweather. I don't know. I the speed gap on this one is is it's deafening. You know what I mean? It's uh, it's this is going to be a tough fight for Herring, but this is what Herring does. He did it in the Frampton fight. He's been doing it his entire life. He did it when he was in Iraq. I'm going to say Jamal Herring pulls off an upset. I think he's going to win this fight. Wow. Damn. That's uh, not what I have. That's not what I have written down. Hmm. This is what I'm telling you. Everything I wrote said Stevenson's going to win, but I don't know, man. I, I'm going to put my faith in Herring that this guy's going to come through like he always does. Pop quiz, Jace. When's the last time Joe and I agreed on plus money? That would have been um, cover your mouth. Usyk, yes, <laughs> Alexander Usyk. Hey, Shakur Stevenson. Now, BoxRec has an algorithm. They use an ELO system. The ELO system was first invented to rank chess players. You beat so and so, so and so beat so and so, but lost to so and so. We can assume certain things about you based on those numbers. Correct? After you fought a certain amount of people. Shakur Stevenson's opponents, greatest opponents, 12, 15, 19. He beat them all by decision. For reference, Joette Gonzalez is the 19. 
12, 15, 19. Herrig lost to an 11 and a 22 in 2017. He hasn't lost since. His wins since then, 19, 29, 39. For reference, the 39 is Carl Frampton. So Carl Frampton's twice as good as Joette Gonzalez, and those are their marquee wins. Herrig is far and away the toughest competition, especially as a professional that Shakur Stevenson has ever been in there with. And styles make fights. Herrig is the not the type of guy you want to put in there with Stevenson. If I'm Stevenson, I want a counterpuncher, a pick and pop guy, not a straightforward uh, bully because they, this guy starts using, if Herring uses his feet to cut off the ring, he's got a good chance to beat Stevenson. And I think, I think he gets it done. I'm taking Herring here too. First time agreeing on plus money since useless. So watch out, Shakur. Here comes Jace. No, I mean, we're sweeping it. Uh, I have Herring too. I'm not. Wow. I've never been sold on Stevenson. Uh, I, 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 I just wow. he has that ESPN rocket strapped to his back, and like I, I, what I've seen, I'm not really all that impressed. Yeah, he's got the speed. Yeah, he can he can make you miss. But Herring has, like I said, he's been to war and back. He's done everything. He's fought Warren back. Jace, this is one of your best shows, man. Yeah. I mean, with the, <laughs> the Mosquito Shield segue and uh, he's been to war. I mean, you're, you're, you're hitting on all cylinders today. And you might be picking a winner going with me and Joe here. And me and Joe here. Yeah, I mean, well done. If, if you want to, the, the, the reason Shakur Stevenson is favorite is just because he does have that ESPN, that uh, top rank promotion rocket strapped to his back and if you actually watch jamel herrick has everything he can do to beat him and he's fought the better guys so sure yeah so i think the the odds are ridiculous i I this is even if stevenson wins it's going to be a lot closer fight than the odds dictate yeah, you know, I'll, I'll say this too. You know, uh, I mean, I don't think Stevenson's going to come in and give you a lethargic effort like he did against uh, Nakathelia. I, I definitely think you're going to get a better Stevenson, but I think I think Stevenson is going to get an idea of what that. I mean, and look, I love Jamal Herring, not quite elite, but he's about a notch below it, and I think Stevenson, I think he could be a little bit surprised what that looks like. Yeah. And he hasn't seen it yet. Yes. Yeah. And, one, and one more thing. Hold on. On on the great show uh, Jace is having, it has been spectacular, Jared. Uh, the, his only mistake was when he said Vittori could get his lights wrong or his lights turned off. <laughs> Never agree. happened. Never going to happen. And not, not by this pudgy Brazilian clown. That's another great segue, Joe. But great otherwise. All right. But, uh, <laughs> no, I, I do – I totally lost my shit. No, uh, Stevenson. He hasn't been on that level. And while boxing, everyone's trying to ca- to chase that zero, tra- chase that Floyd Mayweather, you need losses like this. If Stevenson were to lose to Eric, you need a loss where, with the levels, understanding where you went wrong, go back to the drawing board, pick it out, and come back as a better fighter. Look at someone in the UFC, Charles Oliveira. He's about to get cut, and he's come all this way back so sometimes a loss. Same with Jan Blahovitz. 
Jan mm. as well. Yes. Good examples. So, uh, yeah. So a loss, even though boxing, even though everyone's trying to face, chase that zero, uh, a loss isn't bad. Can but, we uh, please, pretty please, get the winner of this fight in the ring with uh, never a test? Yes, I've been saying Stevenson and Navarro. Uh, You have, and and now I'm convinced. There was a time I thought it was a jump for both of them and they should jump in other directions. Now I'm like, if Stevenson wins this fight, there's no other fight for either one of them. Stop playing games and fight each other. Yeah, so we'll we'll see. While you still can. Great fights tonight. And Jared, he's going to make you money. But you got to bet responsibly and to make sure your finances are in check. So check out JPEX Financial. Do you have a 401k and some savings for future retirement, but you don't even know if it's enough to live off of? How much is enough? And how often do you think about it? The team at JPEX Financial Group can help set your mind at ease. We specialize in creating strategies, doing the planning and managing of your financial, educational, and investment needs. We help clients pursue their investment goals with sound financial strategies. You deserve a personal, tailored plan. Lasting, meaningful, and open relationships are the foundation of our practice. You've worked hard for your money and should feel confident with your investment choices as you make decisions for your financial future. Your goals are our goals. We are dedicated to your needs and hopes for your future. Visit our website or give us a call at 860-430-5397. Boom. JPEX Financial. Thanks for sponsoring today's episode. Now, Jared, how are you going to make us money today? Uh, well, with the only mistake Jace made, Marvin Vittori does not get stopped. I don't think he can stop costs as big as he is either. I'm taking the over here. It's basically a coin toss. And that upset money on Herring is too high, plus 575. We will take it. I'll parlay both of them together and hit. You can't take Stevenson in that fight at minus 950. That's crazy. You're going to bet 100 bucks and win 11. No thanks. Don't take it. Put it on Herring. Small unit. Parlay both of them. And then Vittori on the over to cover. I mean, I like the I like the Harry one. When all three of us agree on a plus five seventy five, something's cooking there. So, yeah, but uh, for real, don't know about the Vittori one though. I, I see a knockout coming. But well, to sweep, throwing jabs, sweep on a plus five seventy five, that is worth paying attention to. It's not going to happen a lot of times. Yeah, but uh, all right now. Let's get in. Fight of the night. Got some all right stuff. Uh, we got a Bellator fight. Uh, Fedor versus Timothy Johnson. Dinosaurs. But a real person to watch out on that card. Usman Nurmagomedov. That's a weird name. Stealing a little bit from Kamaru. A little bit from Khabib. That doesn't even feel real. <laughs> yeah. 13 to 0. He's a beast from Russia. So check him out. He should get it done against Patrick Patia on Bellator tonight. Joe, what fights are you looking forward to tonight that we didn't talk about? Um, as I was going through the 
card, I'll be honest, uh, nothing really jumped off the table at me. I don't necessarily, uh, I don't really, I mean, I'm going to watch it. I don't, I don't love this, um, this undercard. I think they could have given us a better undercard. I'm hoping for some cool stuff to happen. Uh, a, a lot of, um, a lot of unknowns going at it with a chance maybe to make a name for themselves. So I always like fights like that. Uh, you know, especially that light heavyweight division. And we've been seeing a lot of up and coming young fellas, man. Uh, you know, beyond Prohaska and and Blahovitz and and that whole crew of guys. I mean, I've been watching on these undercards, seen some great light heavyweights uh, past few weeks. So we'll see what's up. But yeah, nothing's there's nothing jumping out at me here. Okay. Uh, my fight of the night would have been Harrigan Stevenson, but we've tripled over that. So I gotta, I gotta pick another one in here. I like a seventeen and one kid named Grant Dawson. Phenomenal. Check him out. He's fighting Ricky Glenn. Came up on the Dana White Contender Series. Uh, he's won five straight in the USC. His only loss is a uh, is a thirty five second stoppage TKO in uh, twenty sixteen. Entered the UFC with a win over Julian Arosa. He's uh he's ready. He's moving up. He'll win this fight. Grant Dawson, worth paying attention to. All right, I like that. And I mean, there are a couple names on the UFC. Jessica Rose Clark, tough. She's taking on Joslyn Edwards, and then Blue Bruce Leroy, Alex Caceres, uh against Sengwon Wu Cho. Uh, that's and Cho can. Bang, that's another kid to pay attention to. He'll stop Caceres, take the under. Caceres will come, and he'll let the fight happen. So, yeah, that that will be a fun fight. But that's going to do it today for Throwing Jabs. Thank you guys for listening. Thank you guys for watching. watching. And we got some good fights tonight. Make sure you check them out. And, And... I mean, bet responsibly, but when all three of us are on a plus 575, dog, something's going on there. And I may be the most wrong out of all of us, but these two to, to my to my right and below me, that they know they've been right multiple, a lot more than I have. So when they're on a dog, you listen. So make yourself some money. Throw just a couple bucks on that, and you'll make yourself some money. But – Bet responsibly. And big shout out to JPEX Financial and Mosquito Shield for sponsoring today's episode. Mosquito Shield, if you sign up, if you go to MosquitoShieldCT.com, tell them throwing jads and Clovercrest Media sent you, they'll give you a discount for the spring. So thank you for watching. Thank you for listening. For myself, Big Jace, Joe Guire, and Jared Jones, we'll see you next weekend for more throwing jabs. Take care. Throwing jabs, always full sand. Here we go again. Jared, Joe, and Jays. Clover Crest, top three corner man. Punching in with a punch of chance. We find a way to win. The main event, lock it in. Every Saturday at 10, the overhand is out of hand. When it comes to fisticuffs, slide a hand on the undercard. You'll never see the punch. Uppercut, got you missing wave. Feet are stepping late. Keep your guard up, feeling faint from a faint. Take a stand and eighth, then retaliate. Put up your dukes, stick and move. Bob and wave. Don't lose hope against the ropes. There's always an escape. Never stay down. One more round, bells ringing, counter. 
punch with your chin tucked and go down swinging. We bringing crosses with no worship, hooks with no verses, combinations with no locks. When you feel the flurry of curtains, from scrub scraps to fight stats, relax if you want the facts, cause the best combat podcast is throwing jabs. Joe McGuire. I'm the president of Clovercrest Media Group. And here at CMG, we have a wide variety of podcasts, including sports shows like Keys to the City, The Roll Call, Throwing Jabs, All Four Downs, and Jawing About the G-Men. And great true crime shows like Sticky Beak, Crimes and Consequences, Ivy League Murders, and Burn, the Unsolved Murder of David Eichmann. You can find all these podcasts and so much more by visiting clovercrestmedia.com.